0: Well, good morning, everyone. How are we? So good to see all of you. We got a big Seahawks game today, don't we? Yeah, is that 1:20, 130, or something like that? All the different complicated complications if the Seahawks win and the Packers lose and the something or whatever, right? At this point, if your team just can't win and get into the playoffs, I mean, come on. How much damage are they really going to do in the playoffs? I will, I will admit, though, now, week 18, the Seahawks were better than the Bears, Okay. They were, all right? They absolutely were. Uh, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Arbor. So good to see all of you. Those who are new or visiting, welcome. Uh, so exciting to start uh, 2023 with this new series called A Better Way Forward. Um, but I'm going to do something different today than, than, uh, than typical. I am going to uh, point out some issues. I'm going to raise some problems. But I'm not going to provide any answers today, Okay. No answers, no easy answers, because I'm not sure if you've noticed, uh, but life can sometimes be uh, so complicated that you can't solve all of its problems in 30 minutes, right? And so if by the end of today's talk, you're feeling like this sense of frustration and angst, um, then mission accomplished, okay? That's the end goal for today. And I wanna start by asking a question, and a question that uh, you probably didn't expect to be asked by a pastor here at a church today. And so if you're ready for the question, uh, go ahead and say, uh, I'm ready. Here's the question I wanna ask you today. It's this, do you ever feel like Christianity isn't working? I told you it was not a question that you'd be expecting from a pastor at church uh, this early in 2023, but do you ever feel like Christianity isn't working? Do you ever feel like the way you're following Jesus how you're going about your life as a Christian, do you ever just feel like it's not working, like it's stalled out? This morning, I am going to get to a spot today where I'm gonna be really honest with all of you. And I wonder if, if you were honest with me right now, uh, maybe over the last few weeks, the last few months, even the last few years, maybe you've had a moment in your life, maybe you've gone through a season where you've just felt like Christianity isn't working the way you thought it would. And maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you've been following Jesus for years, decades even. And you're like, I'm doing everything right and I go to church and I serve in my church. But there's just this thing in your life, this, this broken relationship, an addiction, maybe, maybe, maybe a job struggle or something like that. And, and you pray and you pray and you pray and, and weeks turn into months and months grow into years and you are just crying out to God, God, where are you? I need you to move, I need you to do something, and it just doesn't feel like this thing is working like it's supposed to. I'd imagine for many of you, it isn't that dramatic. For many of you, you you find yourself in a spot where you have a pretty decent life right now. You come to church once in a while, you've got an okay job, you love your family, you've got some decent friends, you're able to take a decent vacation once in a while, But, but there's just something in your life that feels like it's not working feels like something is missing. And, and, and you, you come to church, you, you read your Bible, but it just feels like, you, you feel this sense of unfulfillment in your heart. Like there's something missing, and you wonder, does Christianity even work? And so if you've been there, or if you are there now, or if you've wondered, is there a better way forward? I want to tell you this morning that there is. There is a better way forward, and I hope that today's teaching and the teaching in the weeks to come provide some encouragement to you. Jesus' words this morning that we're gonna be looking at in John 14. If you have your Bibles, you can open those up right now and turn there or follow along on the screen. John 14, starting in verse one, Jesus says this to us. He says, "'Do not let your hearts be distressed.'" Jesus says, don't let your hearts be distressed. He says, you believe in God. Believe in me also. There are many dwelling places in my Father's house. Otherwise, I would have told you because I am going away to make ready a place for you. And if I go and make ready a place for you, I will come again, and I'll take you to be with me, so that where I am, you may be too, and you know the way where I'm going. And so Jesus says, don't be troubled, I'm going to take care of everything. You know where I'm going, but I love in verse 5 here, Thomas speaks up. And Thomas gets a bad rap. They call him Doubting Thomas. But I like Thomas. Does anyone else here like Thomas? I like Thomas because Thomas says the thing or asks the question that everyone else is afraid to ask, you know? Jesus is like, I'm going away and you know where I'm going. And Thomas is like, "Uh, What are you talking about, Jesus? We have no idea. We have no idea what you're talking about. Look at verse five. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, we have no idea. How can we know the way? And Jesus, he just patiently turns to Thomas and in a very important, very profound verse, Jesus says in verse six, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this new series that we're jumping into called A Better Way Forward. Again, if you've ever felt stuck if you ever felt like Christianity isn't working and you've been growing frustrated or confused or maybe just felt like, I I want to experience more of God in my life and and, and what do I do? Well, let me tell you, what we're going to see over these next few weeks is that there is a better way forward and I think we can all agree that the way we do something or the way we say something is very important, right? Right, right? Right? Like the way we do something or the way we say something is so important. You can say the right thing, but you can say the right thing in the wrong way and still be wrong, right? Am I right? We see this so often in our own culture as Christians. We Christians are so guilty of this, aren't we? Don't we just have a way of kind of being so subtly mean? Like mean, have you ever encountered a mean Christian before? I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but we all have encountered a mean Christian before maybe we've even been a mean Christian where you say the right thing, but you say it in the wrong way. You're like, Jesus loves you, you sinner. And you're like, yeah, that's the truth, but maybe not the most effective way to deliver that sentiment, that truth. The way we say something, the way we do something, it's really important. And if you're not uh, fully acquainted with this, you will be when you're married, 100%, right? <laughs> All the wives said amen. There is a, you can take one simple phrase like, are you wearing that? And that means a lot different than like, oh, are you wearing that, right? One is going to lead to a fight. The other one might lead to you both staying in for the night. I'm not, I don't know. I'm just saying like (laughs) two totally different outcomes, but the same phrase, right? The way you say something, the way you do something, it matters. And Jesus said, he said, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. But more often than not, when we encounter this phrase from Jesus, um, we tend to focus on the truth stuff, right? We, We tend to focus on the truth aspect of what Jesus is saying here. And listen, that is so important because Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth, and Jesus says when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And so it's important, it's a good thing to focus on the truth of who Jesus is. But listen, I'm afraid that for many of us in our walks with Jesus, that that we've focused so much on the truth that we've neglected to look at the way of Jesus in our lives. And I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. I don't think you need to have just one or the other. I, I don't think they're disconnected at all. I think that the way that 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 when we live the way that Jesus lived, it is a reflection of the reality that the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of what Jesus has taught has actually deeply taken roots in our lives. That's what I believe. So so real quick, Bible trivia time. I'm gonna ask all of you a question, and if you know the answer, just hold on to it for a second. Don't blurt it out, okay? And when I share the answer, then you can just turn to your neighbor and be like, I knew that, for sure. But here's here's the question here. You ready for the question? The question is this. What were first century Christians called? Don't say it out loud. What were first century Christians called? Now, I'll give you a clue. It wasn't Christians. It wasn't religious people. Uh, It wasn't Bible thumpers, it wasn't holy rollers. Early Christians, if you go to the book of Acts, what we see is that they were called people of the way. This is what they were referred to, people of the way. You look throughout the book of Acts six different times. We see this phrase, the way, used in the, uh, the book of Acts. They weren't called Christians, they weren't called religious people, they were called people of the way. You see, early Christians, they didn't neglect right theology, They didn't neglect strong morality, but those two things weren't at their epicenter, they weren't their primary goal, they weren't their primary focus. These early Christians who were spirit-filled, moving through their area, healing people, preaching the gospel, seeing lives changed and transformed for eternity, they were called people of the way because they were focused on living the way that Jesus lived and loved other people. That was their focus. And when you look at the Gospels, when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at not just the truths, the incredible truths that Jesus taught, but you look at the way that Jesus lived his life, and then you compare that to the way that we live our lives, we oftentimes, I mean, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a big gap there. There's a big difference there. I mean, the way that Jesus interacted with people and spent time with people, you read through the Gospels, and more often than not, as long as he's not interacting with religious people, Jesus is full of joy. As he's spending time with just people throughout his life, he's full of joy. We just spent 10 weeks looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians, focusing on joy. How's that going for you? (laughs) How's that joy thing going for you? When Jesus spent time with people, he had joy. For so many of us, when we encounter people, we're like, oh, people, Right, not again, people. Right, but Jesus, there was there was joy. Um, Think about how often we are so stressed out of our minds, and yet Jesus said, "Don't worry about tomorrow. God is already there. He's taken care of that." And yet we freak out. But we never see Jesus freaking out. Like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to the Roman economy? Are we going to lose? He's never freaking out, and yet we are all so stressed all the time. When Jesus saw a person that was hurting and in need, he would stop and spend time with them and care for them. And when when we see someone who's in a similar position, many of us can't even stop for a second to spare some time for that individual. Jesus loved people but prioritized above everything else time with his heavenly Father. He would go away for hours for the whole evening and he would spend time with God. And I find myself in the morning trying to spend 10, 15, 20 minutes with God and I I can't help but think about my day and like all the things I have to do, and it's, it takes everything within me not to look at my phone. Is anyone else there with me? Just you look at the life of Christ, you look at your own life and you're like, there is such a gap, there is such a difference. And when you see the way that Jesus lived his life, he moved from situation to situation. And how did Jesus get there? He got there by walking. Jesus walked, you never see Jesus like hurrying and scurrying from one thing to the next. And as I look at the life of Christ in the Gospels, and as we look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, and and we bring our own life into focus, and we compare those two things side by side, We oftentimes see that there is a big gap there. We may know these truths about who Jesus is but it's just not connecting deep into the fabric of who we are as people and we don't experience the fulfillment and the abundant life that Jesus has promised us and we look and we wonder like why am I becoming the way that I am, right? Why am I becoming the way that I am? We hurry and we worry, and oftentimes we look at ourselves and, and, and we, we say, I don't even like the person I'm becoming right now. Maybe you find yourself here in 2023 entering into this new year, and you're looking back on the last few years and you're like, I don't like who I'm becoming. I don't like who I'm turning into. You know, I just turned 38 the other week. 38 years old, and I'm in that phase of my life right now where like on paper I'll look at my driver's license and I know I'm 38, but inside I still feel like I'm in my early 20s. You know, any, anyone else struggle with this? We're like, you know, but then all of a sudden you're like, ah, it doesn't, it's not computing for some reason. I was abruptly made aware that I'm no longer in my early 20s. Uh, my friend Julie Mason sent a Christmas card to Carrie and I and included these pictures of Carrie and I from many years ago. Do we have those pictures available? There they are. Oh, yeah. Th- those pictures are 17 years old. We went on this camping trip in this area, and I opened up those pictures and I was like, oh my goodness. So much has changed. You see, Carrie's got her Woodenville high school sweatshirt on, right? (laughs) Repin, Woodenville, I don't know what's the what's the mascot? I should know that by now. The Falcons, that's right, I knew that. The Falcons. Repin the Falcons. Do you ever look at old photos like that? You look at old photos and you think so much has changed. So much has changed. Um, and, and not just like, you know, maybe you like look at the old photo and you look at the mirror and you're like, oh my goodness, how much I've gotten so much older or whatever. Not, not, not that, but you look at those old photos and you look back at a time 15, 20 years ago and you think to yourself, man, I was, I was so much more peaceful back then. I was so much more relaxed. Or I felt such a deeper connection to God then. Julie Mason will be uh, glad to know that her pictures did not prompt this sort of existential crisis in my life (laughs) this winter. But I wanna be honest with all of you and I want you to know that I've been in spots in my life where I've had to take a hard look at myself and and, and the way I was living my life and, and, and look at the person that I was becoming and face the reality that I didn't like the person that I was becoming you know, at the very beginning of this teaching, I I started by asking you that question, do you ever feel like Christianity isn't working? I'm not sure if you also caught it, but I also said that I was gonna get really honest with all of you guys this morning. And so here's the honesty part. I found myself facing this question in like a really real way six or seven years ago. Six or seven years ago, Carrie and I, we were uh, living in North Carolina. And we had these three wonderful kids. We still have them, but they were younger. <laughs> um, they were two, four, and six at the time. And so we we drove. We packed up the whole family. We we drove up, and um, we uh, helped plant this church in Michigan. And I was the associate pastor. And it was just me and this other guy. And uh, we got there in February of 2015. We hit the ground running. Uh, it was it was long days, lots of work, trying to get ready to plant and launch this church. And come April, we, we kind of launched the church on an Easter service. And to our surprise, like hundreds of people came to this church service. And we were so blown away. And that led to like many more months of like chaos and meeting new people and bringing people in and working really hard. And I'll tell you what, I absolutely loved it. I I, I loved the hard work, I loved the busyness, I loved the results that we were seeing, but what I didn't realize what was happening in my life at that time, or at least what I seemingly refused to acknowledge, was, was that the way that I was doing the work of God was destroying the work of God in me. The way that I was doing the work of God was destroying the work of God in me. And listen, this wasn't new to me in this season of my life in Michigan. This is a pattern of life that I had developed over many years where I would go, 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 and push, 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 and focus on work, and and focus on ministry, and ensure that all the things that I was doing was successful, not always necessarily for the glory of God, but oftentimes for my own satisfaction and my own happiness, and I would neglect during those seasons, not just focused, present attention on Carrie and my family, but even more importantly, I began to neglect my own relationships. With God, the way I was doing the work of God was destroying the work of God in me. And you can only neglect your relationships and the state of your soul for so long before they will rear their head and demand your attention. And by the end of 2015, things would become would end up coming to a crashing halt for me, for my family. Um, During this season, I was growing increasingly anxious, increasingly worried, um, increasingly irritable, and I found myself coping with this in in really unhealthy ways, and one of those ways was with alcohol. And for anyone who's gone down that road before, you know that does not make things better. (laughs) It makes things significantly worse. And so I found myself in this spot where I was becoming this person that I didn't even like, And it came to a head at the end of 2015, beginning of 2016, where even after months of counseling, even after time away from work, I still found myself in this spot where I was giving myself over to foolishness and found myself living apart from my wife and my kids with no ministry job at a gospel-centered, Christian-based recovery and rehabilitation center. It was the hardest and most humbling season of my life. It was absolutely awful. Here I was, alone, away from everyone I knew, having to come face to face with the reality of who I'd become and face to face with a God that I had neglected for months, for years. And here, let me tell you the beautiful thing about this season, though. The beautiful thing about this season was although it was the most painful, humiliating season of my life, it was, it was during this season where God forced me to slow down and humbled me and I began to spend more time with God, more time in his word, more time in prayer, more time walking this long driveway, just crying out to God, God, I need to see you work in my life. I hate the person that I've become and I want to become someone different, but I feel so powerless to change. And and the more I begin to surrender my life to God and slow myself down, the more I begin to see him begin to change me. The more I aligned myself with the way of Jesus, the more he changed my mind and my heart. He began to heal my marriage and restore me back to my family. It was an absolute miracle. And I'm guessing that there are some of you listening here this morning right now that could say the same thing. That, that, that the way that you've been doing the work of God in your life is destroying the work of God in you. That the way you've been going about living your day-to-day life, the busyness of your schedule, the pace of your life, maybe you've just allowed fear and worry and anxiety and concerns of this world to just cloud your vision and distract you from focusing on Jesus, the one who wants to draw you close and strengthen you to make you even more effective in the world. Maybe you've just grown confused and and discouraged. Maybe you've allowed some sort of addiction to to, to take root in your heart and distract you, keep you far from the Lord during this season. I, I know what that feels like. If That's where you find yourself this morning. I know what that feels like. I've been there and I want to tell you that change is possible that Jesus Christ, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he offers a better way forward. But understand this, change is always a little uncomfortable at first. Change is painful. Change feels weird because we get used to doing things a certain way, don't we? We get used to doing things a certain way. They feel right to us. They feel natural to us. But oftentimes, those ways that we get comfortable with are actually really devastating for us. There's this uh, proverb, Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way that leads to death. And so I just I want you to, to perhaps come to terms with the reality that the way that, that you've been doing things, while it might seem right and while it might feel right, might need to be adjusted, might need to be changed. You know, I've, I've slowly but surely been growing in, in, in this way of, of slowing my life down and, and spending more time with the Lord and focusing on what matters. It's been seven years, but it's been tough to kind of, you feel that all of a sudden you're going back to work, you're doing different things and you can feel the sort of focus and the worry and the hurry build up. And one of the most important books that I've read and the most accessible books on this concept is this book by this guy named John Mark Comer. Uh, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Anyone read this book before? Pretty popular book, pretty common book. And in this book, John Mark Comer, he writes uh, about Jesus talking about the yoke that he offers us. And in Matthew 11, Jesus says this. He says, come to me, excuse me, all you who are weary and burdened. That's what Jesus says. Come to me. All of you who are weary and who are burdened, those who are worn out, hurting, you're wondering if this thing even works. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. But then he says something a little peculiar here. He says this, he says, take my yoke on you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and my load is not hard to carry. So what is a yoke? It's not an egg yoke. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about this. Check this out. This is what a yoke looks like. That's a yoke. And a yoke is is just a wooden cross piece that farmers would use. They would put on animals. And so the animals would work together. And so what Jesus is saying is he's saying, hey, take my yoke. I know you're feeling tired. I know you're feeling weary. But it's kind of a weird phrase because he's like, take this farm tool upon your neck, right? Right? Those who are weary, take this this, wooden cross thing upon your neck, I mean I don't know about you, but if I'm feeling weary and tired, I want a massage, I want some time off, I want a vacation. Jesus is like, take this piece of farming equipment and put it on your neck. But I think the reason Jesus is saying this is is because he's saying we've attached this yoke to so many different things that we think are gonna provide the right answer. We've attached this yoke to a busy schedule. We, we've, we've attached this yoke to more, to more, to, to, to a pace of life that is just absolutely unsustainable. And Jesus is inviting us, he's like, no, 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 take this yoke and attach it to me. More often than, than not, yokes were um, for two animals. And, and, and it forced the animals to work together at the same pace. And Jesus is saying, take upon my way of life. It's gonna be different than yours. It's going to feel unnatural, but, but understand that my way is easy and my burden is light. And I offer it to anyone here who is, who is feeling weary, who is feeling tired, who is feeling exhausted, who feels like, man, there's got to be more to this life than what I'm doing. The, the day in, day out routine, where are the better answers? Is there a better way forward? And Jesus says, yes, there is a better way forward. We can learn from this Jesus who who gave of himself freely and generously to other people. He spent time with other people and enjoyed their presence. He he ate long meals with other people. And oftentimes we get food in front of us and we hoover it down in five minutes and move on to the next thing, right? He he was focused on people when they talked to them and and he wasn't kind of like half involved on his phone while Peter ranted again or something like that, right? Like he was full, undivided attention. And Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. So if you're looking ahead now to 2023, I just I want, I want you to know that there's a better way forward for all of us in this room. There's a better way forward. And it's, and it's found not only in the truth of Jesus, but it's found in the way that Jesus lived his life. And so again, there's no quick fix for this. Maybe you're sitting there and you're frustrated and you want answers and, and, and you want like, let's, let's get this going, let's figure this out. There's no, there's no quick answers. Eugene Peterson, he wrote this book. It was called Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And that's what the Christian life is. That's what we sign up for when we engage in this, in this apprenticeship with Jesus. He's, he, he writes this in this book. He says, there is a great market for religious experience in our world. But there is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. Little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations called holiness. This is what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to follow after him. He calls us to model our life after him in this better way forward. And so in the weeks to come, here's where we're gonna be going. Most of us lead really busy lives. Our lives are full of hurt, we're stressed, we're overwhelmed. And so next week we're gonna talk about the unhurried rhythms of grace. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Many of us are overcome with temptation. We feel super far from God. We feel spiritually dry. We're going to talk about unbroken fellowship with the Father. How do we enjoy his presence? How do we experience an ongoing awareness of his presence in our lives? Many of us are really distracted. We're unfocused. We're preoccupied with the wrong things. And so we're going to talk about an uncluttered pursuit of God's mission How do we stay focused on task, becoming the people he wants us to be, being called to do what he calls us to do? We're also gonna talk about um, having undivided attention in the moment. Many of us are filled with regret over a past we can't change and we worry about a future that we can't control. And so what can we do to have an undivided attention in the moment? We see how Jesus was always present as well. So again, if you're entering into 2023 and you're wondering, does Christianity even work? I wanna let you know that it does, but it might look different than what you're used to. It might look, more slower, it might look slower, more intentional, unhurried, less busy. But as we pursue this, my prayer is that we would begin to experience that relief that we experience when, when Jesus, our shepherd, leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, Psalm 23 the psalmist writes this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. One thing I've learned in my life and in my story is that you can either choose to lay down or he will make you lie down. <laughs> That's how Jesus operates. You can either choose to lie down or he will make you lie down. And so often in my life, I've, I've gone through these seasons where Jesus is just like, it is time to lay down. I would invite all of us to enter into the season in 2023. Would we choose to lay down? Would we choose to surrender ourselves again to the Lord and, and, and expect him to move in our lives? You know, his word says not be hurried or, or be anxious and know that I am God. His word says what? Be, be still, be still. And so even in this moment right now, would we already begin to prepare our hearts and, and, and come to terms with the reality that maybe what 2023 looks like moving forward is, is different. And maybe there's a better way forward in following Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you that your, um, your son Jesus has made a way possible for us to have fellowship with you, that he is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life. And so right now, um, Jesus, I pray that we would take up your yoke, that we would take up your yoke. Your your yoke is easy, your burden is light. Jesus, I pray that you would refresh our hearts. God, I pray that we would encounter you in new and real ways this month. Lord, I know there are so many in this room that are are just feeling lost, feeling unfulfilled. Lord, I pray that you would draw our hearts to you. Uh, I pray that we would surrender our lives to you, God, and that we would experience you Lord, in new and fresh ways, Jesus, we trust you. We want to um, uh, get our lives in line with you, our true shepherd, we pray in your name, amen.